I agonized over making a decision to leave corporate America for about a year and a half. Finally, I build up the courage to write my letter of resignation. The head of HR, her name was Tammy Klein. And so I write this letter. I got it ready to submit. I walk into the office. That day, they had a list up of the new promotions. And that day, <laughs> my name was like number four on the list of basically being promoted to senior level in the company. And so right then and there, I got this letter. I'm looking at the list and I'm seeing I'm being promoted. And now I'm playing this mental game with myself, hating on myself, saying, well, dang, maybe you should stick around a little bit longer. Maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe I should go ahead and wait a little bit. Maybe I should get a little more experience under my belt. Maybe I should do something so I have a backup plan in case things don't necessarily work out, right? And so I literally almost talked myself back out of my dream in that moment, not because of something negative, but because of something positive. So for the people who are listening right now, oftentimes you believe that the distraction that you're gonna experience is gotta be something negative, but sometimes the thing that's gonna distract you from your next level, from the thing that you're looking to make happen, is sometimes it's something positive. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Lamar Tyler, and you are locked into the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. I'm excited for you today because we have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine that's been in a lot of your shoes. We're going to talk about how he was living the corporate dream, or at least I'm going to call it the corporate dream. He might say it was a nightmare. I don't know. But we're going to talk about that corporate dream. We're going to talk about how he got there, but then more importantly, how he transitioned into becoming a full-time entrepreneur with a very successful company while also impacting the lives of others. Today, we're joined by Andy Henriquez, the founder of Master Storyteller Academy. What's up, Andy? My man, Lamar, what's up, man? Good to see you, man. And thank you for taking the time to join us today. Nah, hey, I've been looking forward to it. You crazy? Like, I've been like, <laughs> I gotta get on this podcast, man. I'm happy to be here. So let me ask you, because I told the people a minute ago, you were in a lot of their shoes, right? Because I know a lot of times they'll look at people on the show yeah. and they'll be like, well, it's different for me because. And because it's all these different lists of reasons. <laughs> when they've been doing entrepreneurship the whole time, I got a nine to five. Yep. I got to transition out. I got to do all these different things. But your story, what I love about it is you've been in the same shoes as a lot of people that are listening in. 100%, man. 100%. So, I mean, you know this. Like, my parents are originally from Haiti, like the poorest country in the West Hemisphere. And one of the things they emphasize in my household is like, all right, the key to success in this country is you got to go to school, you got to get a good education, and you got to get a good job. And so I straight up followed the script. I went to school at Florida State University. I studied like crazy to graduate summa cum laude. I stayed an additional year. I got my master's degree in corporate accounting. While I was in the master's program, a group of us went crazy studying for the CPA exam. I took the CPA exam, passed the CPA exam, and then landed a job with one of the big four public accounting firms, a company by the name of PricewaterhouseCoopers. Yep. But here's what the crazy thing is. I followed the script. I did everything I was told to do. And now I'm working with this company. I got every reason to do well, but I'm miserable. <laughs> wow. Now, now, were you miserable just from the jump as soon as you got there? You like, no, wasn't it? Or was it... Yeah. You know, a couple years in, climbing yeah, so, ladder, not so, climbing ladder. So what's so crazy is that what, the reason why I was confused is because the people were nice, the company was nice. My issue was that 
how is it that I did everything I was told to do, which was go to school, get a good education, get a good job, and I have the good job, I'm working with the big four public accounting firms, but my life is like feeling like a daily routine. And this is what my life looked like. Every day I was waking up to the sound of alarm clock. I'm jumping out of the bed, I'm fighting traffic to get to a place in which I knew that I knew that something inside me was saying, there's gotta be more than this. And for about a year and a half, I'm, I'm, I'm showing up to a job and my, my whole thing is, man, what if I took a chance on myself? What if I decided to become an entrepreneur? And I don't know if you've ever been there before, but my issue was I was talking myself into it and then I would just talk myself right back out of it. Mm. And I did that for a year and a half. I would talk myself into becoming an entrepreneur. Hey man, you could do it. You could become a speaker. You could become a coach. And then right after that, my mind would go, man, what if it doesn't work out? What, what's your family going to think? You do have a good job, a good job with benefits. You know, you're working with Price Coopers. You know what I mean? That's a dream. And, you, live in, you live in the accountant the quote, degree quote, dream. dream, right? I'm a CPA. I'm working with the big four public accounting firms, prestigious firm. From the outside, it looks like, like everything is all together. But lo and behold, I'm like, man, this is it? Like, this is what I signed up for? And, you know, I kept the game face on, but internally, I was just like, man, how can I get out of here? So let me ask you a question right yeah. there, because you said something's important. You said you were talking yourself back out yeah, of it. Yeah. And a lot of times, I think as entrepreneurs, we're looking at the lens and viewing it from the lens of all these people are hating on me or trying to hold me down. But what I found is oftentimes you are your biggest hater. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not all the other people on the outside. It's 100%. you and, and the thoughts you sit with when you go home and nobody else is around. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love you, the fact you, that you, you realize know that. thing in the same vein, though, Lamar, is that we oftentimes, we always think that like the distraction or the thing that's going to hold us back, it has to be something negative. So check this out. I agonize over making the decision to leave corporate America for about a year and a half. Finally, I build up the courage to write my letter of resignation. The head of HR, her name was Tammy Klein. And so I write this letter. I got it ready to submit. I walk into the office. That day, they had a list up of the new promotions. And that day, my <laughs> name was like number four on the list of basically being promoted to senior level in the company. And so right then and there, I got this letter. I'm looking at the list and I'm seeing I'm being promoted. And now I'm playing this mental game with myself, hating on myself, saying, well, dang, Maybe you should stick around a little bit longer. Maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe I should go ahead and wait a little bit. Maybe I should get a little more experience under my belt. Maybe I should do something so I have a backup plan in case things don't necessarily work out, right? And so I literally almost talked myself back out of my dream in that moment, not because of something negative, but because of something positive. So for the people who are listening right now, Oftentimes you believe that the distraction that you're going to experience is got to be something negative. But sometimes the thing that's going to distract you from your next level, from the thing that you're looking to make happen, is sometimes it's something positive. It's another opportunity. It's something that's actually good. And you got to be so clear on the thing that you want that you're willing to lean in anyway. So let me tell you, I looked at that list and I thought for a while, I was like, dang, should I still turn this thing in? And let me tell you something. I knew that I had to turn it in instantly because quite honestly, I was gonna talk myself out of it. I was gonna convince myself to stay. 
like another two years, justify with, I'm going to make some more money. I'm going to save some more money. I'll have some more experience just in case, right? We good with that just in case. But, you know, one of the best things I did was in that moment was I submitted that paperwork to Tammy Klein and real talk, two things. I was afraid. Number two, I didn't have a game plan. You know what I mean? I mean, you have an event called TSP Game Plan, right? You know what I mean? You teach us how to make sure we have a game plan, right? Man, dude, I had no game plan. But what I did know was that if I didn't make that move and leave in that moment, chances are I was going to be just like those senior managers. Late night, we'd be at a client site. I was an auditor, so we'd be at a client site. Late night, they would always share the things that they wanted to do, that they intended to do. And I was always wondering, well, why aren't they doing it? And basically what they were doing each time was talking themselves into it and then talking themselves right back out of it, which is almost what I did, man. You know, that's interesting. As you were talking, it makes me think about sometimes comfort can be the enemy of entrepreneurship. Because like you said, like a lot of times, you know, we hear so many uh, hard knock stories of, yeah. you know, I got laid off, I got fired, I got this and that, and I was forced into entrepreneurship. Yeah. But sometimes some of the people that probably most likely be the greatest entrepreneurs never get there because they're living in a life of comfort where the salary is good, the opportunity is good, the lifestyle is good, the house is good, the cars, you know, yeah, all these yeah, other things, yeah, yeah. right? And don't make that risk because there is risk associated with entrepreneurship. 100%. And, and in that same vein, I was listening in to a conversation just like this. And there's two individuals, extremely successful entrepreneurs, extremely successful but they had two different backgrounds. One came from a life of middle-class, comfortable, and the other one basically came from nothing. And something came up in the conversation. Now I gotta do research to find out if it's true or not, but from my own personal experience, I believe that it's true. My mom came from the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. She came from Haiti. However, my upbringing Lamar did not have struggle. My mom did the struggle. I didn't have the struggle. I grew up in the suburbs. I was a straight A student. I got a full scholarship to Florida State University. I graduated summa cum laude. I, I don't, I haven't experienced struggle the way my mom experienced struggle. But in that conversation, one of the things that they talked about was that the people who come from struggle, nothing, are the ones who are most likely to have an uber amount of success because they're running from something. Right. They're running from the pain. They're running from the struggle. They're running from, you know, that scarcity and the stuff that happened. But the ones that rarely get to that higher percentile, honestly, are the people with my background. They came from comfort, like what you're talking about. Yeah. So they're not really running from anything all day life. They've known comfort. And basically all they try to do is maintain comfort. And you and I both know trying to maintain comfort is not going to get you to where right. you need to be as an entrepreneur. So I'm in 100% like agreement with you that one of the things that I had to do was literally when you come from that comfort, it's the craziest thing. But you have to create disruption in your own life. Like everybody is running towards comfort. Everybody's trying to create comfort when you're trying to break that mold you actually have to find a way to take a comfortable life and make it uncomfortable. That's the only way that we get to step into this entrepreneurship. So when I was working at PricewaterhouseCoopers, that was a comfortable life. It was like corporate job, corporate benefits, 
you know, corporate card, corporate clients. My clients were like the Miami Heat, a company by the name of National Beverage, like these large companies. Is I'm your a- job still open? This is what they always say, right, Lamar? They're like, oh, you are working with the Heat. Sure, we got tickets every once in a while, but man, we were like down in the dungeon, working <laughs> like a room or whatever. Working, working, like working, 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 right? And then like, yeah, every once in a while, I, I maybe might ride the elevator once or twice with Pat Riley, who, who did say nothing, you know what I mean? He was in the elevator just looking forward, he don't say anything. And typically as an auditor, people aren't happy to see auditors. <laughs> true. You know what I mean? Because normally we're coming to examine stuff and see what's going on. So it sounded really, really prestigious. <laughs> and then we spent so much time in that arena. Lamar, for real, when we got the tickets, oftentimes I'd be like, hey man, you want some tickets? Because <laughs> I've been at this arena all day long, locked up in this dungeon, going through all these documents, like, I don't want to be here any longer. You know what I mean? So it's a classic example of like, man, it sounds good on the outside, but it was still work. We was working, brother. Now, we was working. Let me ask you. So, so you're doing a corporate thing. You finally get ready. Yeah. You know, promotion sitting and everything, say, I'm a move. What was the original move? And what was the, was it always, hey, I want to be a speaker, a storyteller and all those things? Because I know a lot of times people just look yeah. at the end results. So they, yeah. they'll say, hey, I've been following Andy for years. Yeah, man. You know, I've, I've joined some of the challenges. I've, yeah. I've maybe been to one of his programs. But oftentimes they don't realize, like, like what they're seeing is version 20, not version <laughs> one. Like, like, what was that original man, jump Man, listen, man. Like, I tell you, I didn't have no game plan, man. Straight up. <laughs> oh, so I you literally didn't have a game plan. I, I literally you meant, like. Listen, Lamar, <laughs> there was no game plan. What I knew was at some point when we were talking about disrupting the comfort, remember we were talking about that? Right. I knew that I had to do something radical or else I was going to be just like those senior managers who were a couple years ahead of me who would late night on a client site talk about how they wanted to start their own business. They wanted to do this. They want, And what they were doing is they were holding a mirror up for me what my life was going to look like if I didn't do something radical. So when I left corporate America, my man, I wish I could tell you I had a game plan. I did not. As a matter of fact, as soon as I left, I had a family member come over to the house and he was telling me about, hey man, Andy, I know you just left your corporate job. You want to become an entrepreneur. Man, there's these opportunities in Costa Rica. That's going to be the next place where people are going to retire. We go buy this vacant lot. We go build these, these, these little cabin homes. The cabin homes going to cost us $7,000, but we go sell these lots for $21,000. We go own the real estate. We go sub. I got excited, man. I was green. I had some money that I saved up in corporate America. I got on a flight, went to Costa Rica, Looked at everything he said, sounded good, right? Saw the lot we were supposed to buy. We bought the lot. I came back. I'm like, man, I'm about to be this rich real estate <laughs> mogul. You hear me? Every single week, this guy's giving me a call and he's giving me an update on how things are going. And then, like a week goes by, I don't hear from the dude. I'm like, man, that's weird. So I'm like, ah, he's just busy. He can't give me an update every week. Two weeks go by. I still don't hear from him. I'm like, dang. Three weeks don't go by, Lamar. I still don't hear from... At this point, I'm going to... This back in the day, man, where you had to go to the gas station, get the calling card. I'm calling over Costa Rica. The dude's not picking up. A month and a half go by, I can't reach the dude. Finally, I call him. It's a Haitian dude. His name is Shushu. That's his name, right? So finally, I get Shushu. I'm like, Shushu. Shushu, what's up, man? I haven't heard from you. This is what he says. If you ever hear a Haitian person say this, it is bad news. Oh, boy, there, boy, there, boy, there, boy, there. <laughs> oh, boy, there, boy, there, boy, there, boy, there. Lamar, this is what happened, bro. 
he took the money that we were investing in this property and put it in a short-term investment that's supposed to make a quick return, and he lost all of it. When I was on the phone with him and found out that I had just left my job, not only did I leave my job, but I took all of my savings and I invested in this project in Costa Rica. And now I just learned that I lost all of it. I couldn't even say anything. I went in my room, I shut the door, I curled up, man, and I was just crying, dude. Cause I was like, what am I gonna do? And you know, when I look back at that moment, one of the things that I say to every entrepreneur and aspiring entrepreneur is the moment that you're on the verge of a breakthrough, the moment you're ready to get to the next level, expect to be tested. That's good. Like something is going to happen. And that thing that is going to happen, it is going to basically be asking you this question. How bad do you want it? You done left this corporate job, my man. You, oh, you, you're a big shot real estate investor now? Okay. How about we, you no longer have the job and we make you lose all of your nest egg, your savings. What are you going to do now? And in that bed, I was agonizing whether or not I was going to go back and ask for my job or if I was going to lean in. And let me tell you, I seriously considered going back to that job. But... It was just that, 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 that voice, like, okay, expect to be tested, man. And here's what most entrepreneurs don't know, though. What's that? We were built for the test. Hmm. You know this. You know, people look on the outside and they see what you built with TSP, but you can't build that without experiencing these challenges. But the thing about most entrepreneurs the only thing that really separates those who succeed and those who don't is that the ones who succeed, they stay in the ring long enough totally. to learn how to win. Totally. Right? Yep. Because the thing is, we all going to get punched in the mouth. And no matter how good it looks on the outside, what you don't know is for most entrepreneurs, if they told you the real story, you wouldn't even want what they want. Right? <laughs> and so that was my first experience of getting punched in the mouth. But what I learned that particular day was how to take a punch and stay in the ring as opposed to retreat and go back to what was comfortable, which was my corporate job. So I believe my entrepreneur journey started officially once I took that first punch. Once I lost that savings and I made the decision, I didn't know how it was gonna work out, I didn't know what the next step, but I made a decision, I'm staying in the ring. So from there, and, and let me say, let yeah. me backtrack a second. I totally agree. I, I tell uh, clients when I, when I speak, I tell people all the time, Oftentimes there's this concept, misconception that I can't be big because I deal with all these things in life. <laughs> or that the big people, right? Like lucky them, they don't go through what I go through. And again, it's like a self-limiting belief that, that draws some comparison between yeah. you and them. But what I often find is that the bigger companies and businesses I know, they go through sometimes way more than everybody else. Because as they get to new levels, they get new levels of drama and stuff and frustration. Everything comes around with it. But like you said, the difference is they don't stop. Yeah. They keep going. They don't quit. Yep. When faced with issues around family, around business, around, you know, staff and employees, whatever it is, 
like you said, they take their punch. Mm-hmm. But quitting is never an option. Yep. So since quitting is off the table, they have to figure out. Have to figure it out. What to do, how to deal with and keep moving forward. Have to figure it out, man. So <laughs> you get a rocky start. You leave, you leave right? You, it was rocky, rocky man. Start it was like, welcome to entrepreneurship. Bam. <laughs> Mike Tyson has that quote. He said, everybody has a game plan until they get hit. Yeah. So like for me, it's two things. I had no game plan and I got hit, <laughs> right? So, but, but now I'm like, okay, what you going to do? And at least I had the foresight to know that like, dude, you need to start getting some coaching and personal development. So I at least had the wisdom and the foresight that even after getting hit, like get myself in an environment where I could learn some things. And that's when I really started getting into personal development. And I just started going to weekend seminars and workshops. And I happened to be at this event one time. And while I'm there at the event, there's this gentleman in the front of the room, high energy, charismatic, dynamic. And I'm looking around in the room and I'm like, wow, this guy has everybody's attention. Everybody is leaning in. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, I would love to be able to communicate like that. I would love to be able to demand a room like that. And I remember when he was done speaking, I ran up to the front of the room and I was like, excuse me, sir, my, my name is Andy Enriquez. Um, I would love to learn to speak like you, sir. Um, you know, I, I just left my job and I, I, I want to become a speaker and a coach. And he said, okay, young man, go to the back of the room and speak to Star Babatoon. She was like over his program, who happens to be on my team right now. Wow. Star Babatoon, this was over 15 <laughs> years ago. She was a program director and she handed me this paperwork and I started flipping through the paperwork and I was so excited. It was talking about learn how to tell your story, you know, become a better uh, speaker, build your coaching business. And I was so excited until I got to the final page. And when I got to the final page, I was like, oh, they done did a typo up in this piece of Mark. <laughs> I like somebody put an extra zero because that thing said three, zero, comma, zero, 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 $30,000. I was 30, like, 30,000. I thought this, and this was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. <laughs> not, I thought this was, I thought this was going to be People getting choked up all 30K 30, now. This is 30,000 15 years ago. Who was that person, Lamar? Les Brown. That was his platinum speaker program. Dude, I was so scared. Man, I told him to hit me up. Star Baba Toon called me the next day in the morning. I didn't pick up. She called me in the afternoon. I didn't pick up. She called me. I got the right evening. number. She's like, I got the right number for this Andy guy. She's like, this dude, here's why I didn't know. Les Brown calls her and says, hey, what's up with that Andy Enriquez guy? I like that guy. I think he's going to be something special. And she says, I've been calling him. He hasn't been picking up. He said to her, give me his number. Les Brown calls my phone. I don't recognize the phone number. I happen to pick it up. When I pick up the phone, he's like, hey, how you doing, Andy? It's Les Brown, maybe Brown's baby boy. How you doing, my man? <laughs> and you know, I, I've had a conversation with Les Brown. And people don't realize, he literally talks like yeah. that. The first time I talked to him, he did this. And I was like, it's like a surreal moment. Yes, yes. So I'm on the, listen, I'm looking, I'm like, Les Brown is on the phone. Les Brown is calling me. And he says, hey, young man, I, I, I thought you said you wanted to become a speaker. I said, yes, sir. Mm. I said, I thought you said you wanted to go ahead and um, take your... Um, your business, you want to build a business? I say, yes, sir. He said, what happened? And I said, uh, uh, sir, um, you know, I didn't realize it was $30,000. And in so many words, here's one of the things that I learned in that conversation. What he essentially said was, you have to invest at the level in which you expect results. 
Like for those of you listening right now, if you're a note taker, this is one of those things you want to write down. Like you have to invest at the level in which you expect results. This is how he called me out. He was like, what do you want? I said, I want to become a speaker. I want to become a coach. I want to build a, a successful business. And he says, okay, good. What have you invested in? I got the um in and on. <laughs> I, like, I done bought some books, you know what I mean? I done bought some ebooks. I done bought some, some little programs here and there. And what I realized was that moment, I was incongruent. Because the things that I said that I wanted were here, but the actions that I had taken were only right here, right? And so what I learned in that moment is you got to invest at the level in which you expect results. The other thing is, I kept saying, Les Brown, and, and you know, Les, I, I want to invest in you, sir, and you're going to help me. And, and he pretty much had to be like, time out, time out, time out. Wait a second. You're not investing in Les Brown. Right. You're investing in yourself. yourself. You know, when I enrolled into the mastermind, right, the TSP mastermind, I wasn't investing in Lamar Tyler. I was investing in myself, right? Warren Buffett was being interviewed one time by Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins told Mr. Buffett, he's like, look, man, you've done all of these different investments. You've invested in real estate. You've invested in the stock market. You have invested in businesses and turned them around. He said, out of all those investments, what would you say is the number one investment anybody could make? Mr. Buffett thought for a moment, he was like, you know what? Best investment you can make is investment in yourself. He said one of the best investments he made was investment in a Dale Carnegie course where he learned how to be able to communicate. And in that conversation, I realized two things. Number one, I was being incongruent. Number two, I wasn't investing in Les Brown. I was investing in myself. And I'm not gonna lie, a brother had to ask for a payment plan. You know, I, I, I try to do the pay the fool right now because I'm like, you gotta show up as the client that you like to attract. So I'm going to say this for the record. When I joined the mastermind, <laughs> I paid in full. Why did I pay in full? Because I like paid in full clients. That's the reason why I share that with you, because you got to show up as the person you want to attract. So if you like paid in full clients, you like clients that do what they're supposed to do. That's the way you're supposed to show up. Right. But that time, brother had to ask for a payment plan. Right. Let me ask you at that yeah. moment, because you're faced with a large investment at all. Did the previous investment you made as an entrepreneur in the Costa Rica deal, yeah. like, did that come up? Yeah. Oh, because I know a lot of times when you're faced with those things, oh, you start yeah. to it pull all that again. previous baggage. What if it doesn't work out? What yeah. if it, but I think this time, because I was on the phone with Les Brown, um, I realized I need to make a decision in that moment. Right. And I was terrified. Let me tell you something. I, I, think, I think it was called Bank Atlantic. I don't even know if they're around anymore. But that's what I was banking with. I asked them if it was it was 30,000 and I asked if I could send the first $10,000. Lamar, when I went to that parking lot at the bank, <laughs> dude, I was sitting in that car for a minute, man. I was like, man, about to send this $10,000 once you send it. But let me tell you something. Once I finally went into the bank and I filled out the paperwork and that $10,000 was sent, my whole posture changed. Somebody once said this. The more you pay, the more you pay attention. Mm. Once I sent that $10,000, my whole demeanor changed. Because now it was like, oh, I don't send my money. I'm going to get my money's worth. Now it's like, I forget about Les Brown at this point. At this point, I know I'm going to do what I need to do so I can get a return on my investment. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people sort of miss out on when it comes to any coaching program. That, you know... <laughs> 
this whole notion of there's very, 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 very few people, I think, that are out there that are just straight up scamming people. Right. Correct. I think every coaching program, it works if you work it. If you work it, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, I don't never have anxiety when I'm investing into a coaching program because I know my return is always up to me. It has nothing to do with the coach and the program. And I found it's a lot easier to get your return than most people think. Because most people think in order to get my return, I have to do all the things. So whenever, because I'm always in uh, high ticket programs myself still to this day. Whenever I go into a program, I go in with the mindset that all I got to do is one one thing. That's it. Let let me figure out the one thing. And if I do one thing and execute on that one thing correct, now maybe a a hundred things available. But it's my job to just go through systematically and find the one thing, implement that. And I'll get not only my return, but if I keep executing, I'll get that return back over and over and over again throughout the process. That's it. That that one, the one, that's the exact same. I go to conference with that same mindset. The one thing, and then also VIP days, anything I'm gonna do. I just need one thing that I can implement and actually execute on. And we know the issue with, all right. So I gotta bring this up because I just think it's one of those things that holds so many entrepreneurs back. We took my daughter, Ava, to the circus. They had that, I don't know if you know, they had like a hip hop circus, you yep, know what I mean? They I'm had aware. That, right, yes. they came down to South Florida, right? So we're like, we're gonna take Ava to the circus, right? So Ava's five years old, we take her to the circus. And you know, we know we're gonna see people riding horses and all these things, but there is some point that somebody's gonna either be spinning balls or spinning some plates, right? We're in a world now, when you speak to the average entrepreneur, and you ask them what they do. I mean, we was just at TSP Live. Right. We saw people come to the microphone or you meet people in the hallway. And by the way, if you haven't been to TSP Live, you better make sure you get there, right? If you haven't been to game plan, make sure you get there, right? But we're, we're talking to the people in the hallways in the room. And when you ask them, what do they do? They start listening. Oh, well, I got this business. I do this. I do that. I do this. And they're doing it from a place of insecurity because they feel like they got to list all these things so they could be enough. But for an entrepreneur, when we hear it, what do we hear, Lamar? Average, 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 average. Because there ain't no way in God's green earth you're doing all them things and producing any kind of fruit and traction, Not right? Possible. So the thing that I want people to realize when we went to that circus was this. It's like when I saw the person about to spin the plate, what they do is they get that one plate spinning out of control first. Like they get that plate up there, spinning the plate, spinning it, spinning it, spinning it, spinning it, spinning it. And that plate starts spinning like crazy and it starts having all this momentum. Then they start spinning on the rest of the plates. But you know what most entrepreneurs are doing? What's that? New entrepreneurs, they're trying to spin four plates at a time. What happened is they start spinning this plate, get a little bit of turn on it. They go to the next plate. By that time, this first plate is already starting to wobble, it's slowing down. This next plate is starting to wobble, slow down. This next one's starting to wobble and slow down. And now they find themselves in a situation where there's not one of those plates that's actually spinning. And so they love to say, oh, but what about, you know, uh, Jay-Z? What about, you know, Pete Diddy? (laughs) What about Tyler Perry? What about Bishop TDJ? What about all these people? They have all of these different things. Yeah, but you forgot. They spun one plate first. Diddy spun the music plate first. He got that plate spinning out of control before the liquor, before all the other stuff. Bishop TDJ spun that plate first. He became an extraordinary pastor first. Before the movies, before Tyler Perry got that one plate off the ground. He was doing that first. Correct. What's your plate? And you got to spin that thing like crazy. So for me, I eventually realized that I needed to pick a plate. Mm. And so the 
the beauty of me working with Les Brown in his program was that I learned how to be able to communicate. I learned how to be able to craft and share powerful stories. And when I first entered the marketplace, I was a motivational speaker slash real estate investor, right? And yeah, well, what do you speak on, Andy? I speak on anything, right? <laughs> so it's like, I was, what, you I was to what you want me to speak on, right? <laughs> I speak on anything. And normally that type of speaker is not gonna have any really true great traction. And so eventually in the marketplace, I had to decide like, what's the plate that you're gonna spin like crazy in the marketplace? But then what is the problem that people are having that I could add the most amount of value? And one of the things I knew for sure that when I was speaking, there's a lot of people coming up and say, hey man, I love the way you told that story. How did, how'd you tell that story like that? Can you teach me how to be able to tell the story? And also being a, a, a student of Les Brown that emphasized so much on the importance of storytelling, I said, man, what if I took this accounting brain that's highly analytical, that knows how to put structure and process to something like storytelling that seems so abstract? And what if I could actually be able to help entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, to be able to tell powerful, dynamic stories that allows them to be able to get the attention of their audience, connect with them on an emotional level, and then be able to get them to take action. And let me tell you something. I got, like, I became sold out myself personally on being able to share and tell powerful stories. And then I realized that there was a need in the marketplace. Now, the average person, I'm gonna be honest with you, Lamar, they not up at night saying, boy, I just need to learn how to tell some stories. <laughs> right. I, I, I had to learn that the hard way, right? I had to learn that the hard <laughs> it's way. It's like stories available <laughs> so for everyone. I, I, I need to learn how to tell some, that's not what they're thinking. What they are saying is, I need to know what to say. Mm -hmm. I wanna know how to be able to connect with people. I'm tired of trying to chase down clients. I wanna be able to attract clients. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. I, I wanna be able to, to get people to connect and relate with me. And all of that is done through storytelling. So I had to get really good at getting entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches to understand that if they actually had the ability to be able to share powerful and compelling stories, they could use those stories to connect with their prospect by getting the prospect to realize that I know where you're at. Mm -hmm. I've been there before. I've dealt with the same problems, same challenges, the same struggles. However, I've made it here and I've produced these results and naturally the prospect's gonna say, well, how did you do it? Or can you teach me how to do it? I and love, that's I where that. we offer our products, our services and the things that we have to offer. So I love strategic storytelling. Not that storytelling we do where we talk to friends and family members <laughs> and we just tell them stories. And oh, you put, space game yeah, stories. Or and you put them on <laughs> speakerphone, you be washing the dishes, you listening because you love them, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I tell people, like, the biggest disservice I could do is get people thinking that when I'm talking about storytelling, I'm telling them to tell stories the way they've been telling it to their friends and their family members. No, man. The way we tell stories to friends and family members is horrible. It's all wrong. And the reason why we don't realize it is because our friends and our family members, they love us, so they give us grace. Lamar, you don't have that family member, that friend. Let's tell you something. You know you don't zone out because it's your friend, family member. You keep listening. <laughs> you put it on speakerphone. You doing something else. You sending out emails, like, text mm -hmm. messages. Yeah, you're yeah. like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. They just rambling. They're going on and on. But here's the thing. If you take that same type of storytelling in front of a cold audience who doesn't know you, 
that cold audience doesn't want, they're not going to give you that kind of grace. And, uh, and, and I love, I think, because what you're talking about is, is, is not telling story for the sake of telling stories, no, but it's being intentional that I'm telling stories to lead to a sale or to absolutely. lead to a transaction. Absolutely. Or to lead to, right, that sales transaction leads to a transformation. Yes. For that other person. But I, I love it because so many times I feel like people don't realize that they have to take that person on a journey in order to get there. Because like you said, like, like the same way they may not be saying, okay, I need to figure out how to, how to tell a story. They're not saying, hey, I need to figure out how to um, make my books better. <laughs> or if I'm an accountant, right? Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out how to do all these things that coaches, consultants, service professionals may do. And, and the other thing I was thinking about in relation to storytelling, because me and Ronnie were talking, I was like, Ronnie, you know, I think a lot of times people assume that storytelling is only for service for coaches, consultants, or whatever mm. like that. But if I got an e-commerce brand, I need to have what attached to it? Sure. A story. 100%. Because people don't buy your products and services. They buy the story attached to your product and services. So here's what's crazy. When I look at my, you know, now I primarily work with entrepreneur speakers and coaches. But you know, before that, most of my stuff was corporations, nonprofits. When I went into a nonprofit, you said, well, how's a nonprofit benefit from storytelling? They got board members. The board members need to be able to raise funds for that nonprofit. I would come in and teach the board members how to be able to share powerful, meaningful stories so that they could raise money for the nonprofit. Then I would go to a direct sales company and they need to build and grow their direct sales team. They need their independent reps and consultants to grow their teams. How they get them to do that? They need to be able to tell the story to be able to get people curious about the opportunity so that that story could lead people to checking out what they call an opportunity meeting, opportunity call, or something where they get exposed to the actual business. Sales. I go in, I would train the sales reps. Sales reps need to close people. In order to close people, one of the best things they could do is use stories to get people to see the value, overcome their objections, and then create some type of sense of urgency. So for us as entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches, the story is like an essential tool. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make, Lamar, is this. As entrepreneurs, speakers, and coaches, we put the cart in front of the horse. And here's what I mean by that. What's the cart? The cart is all the doing stuff, all the stuff that we are told we should do. Write the book, um, you know, launch a podcast, um, you know, make sure that you, 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 you actually build a funnel. Right. And there's nothing wrong with all those things because you and I, we've done all those things. The issue is, the average person who writes a book sells less than 250 copies of the book. The average person who launches a product doesn't even make $100,000 in that product launch that they're trying to launch, right? The average person who ends up trying to build a funnel initially, the funnel doesn't necessarily produce the results that they want to produce. Totally. Now, the issue is, is that it's not anything wrong with these things. The thing is, you need a message. The horse is the message. The horse is the story. The horse needs to be in front of the cart because the story, the message is what drives the traffic to people wanting to buy the book. The story is what you use to draw people to your products and services. And then the story is what you do and what you use to take people through your funnel so that they can understand what's in it for them. When I was at TSP Live, one of the things that I really enjoyed is that I talk about there's five different types of stories that entrepreneurs- I was about to ask, I was about to ask right? you about it, because that's one of the things I, I like specifically about you, because most people, when they talk about story, it's like, hey, you need a story, but you told me before, Lamar, it's five, <laughs> five, it's five there's, types of there's stories. There's five types of stories. Now, here's the thing. I got to be careful right now, Lamar, because 
you created such an awesome experience at TSP Live. <laughs> I'm going to only say two. I'm going to only say two for the sake of talking about the categories of stories. So I don't give the whole playbook away. Okay. 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 Don't, give, don't give it away. So oh, I'm, okay. I ain't going to give the whole playbook away. But one type of story is what we refer to as the signature story. The purpose of that story is to get your customers, your clients, your audience to feel a genuine connection with you so that they lean in as opposed to lean out. You have built this amazing company that helps entrepreneurs, speakers, coaches, e-commerce, doesn't matter, any type of entrepreneur that wants to grow and get a seven-figure business or even eight-figure business to be part of an extraordinary community. And one of the things they might be saying to themselves is, I don't know. I don't know if this guy knows what it's like to be where I'm at. So one of the stories that you always share is how you and Ronnie had built this blog and you had built this business, you know, Black with Married with Kids, and how you had all of these people who are part of the community, but although you had this large community, you, it wasn't necessarily being monetized the way that it should. Correct. That story allows the person who is sitting in the audience who has put you on a pedestal and thinking like, oh, this guy doesn't know, he doesn't understand what I've been through, to get them to realize like, oh, well maybe he does know what it's like exactly. to have to pivot or what it's like to have to change or have to set something up, right? They hear that story and now all of a sudden they're like, oh, this guy did have to start from someplace. Him and his wife started someplace. Oh, they had to figure this out too. Oh, they were putting in a lot of work and not making the money also. So that type of story is a signature story. It serves one purpose, one purpose only. We're just trying to build a connection. Okay. The shortest distance between us and the people that we're looking to serve is a well-told story, okay? Now, I'm gonna share another type of story, and you had to have been at TSP Live. I'm reluctant to do this, but, but we'll do it for the sake of, of, of teaching. But sometimes we tell a story because of the fact that we are simply looking to Make a point and help people to do a bit of a reframe. So one of the stories that I love listening to is that when you had this awesome opportunity to go to this business school, right? So what's, what school is that? It was Tuck. Tuck, Dartmouth right? College, yep. Right? You had an opportunity to go to Tuck. And you, you share this amazing story about, you know, there's this opportunity to present the financial statements and you had an opportunity to present your financial statements. And, you know, the teacher reviews it. He's like, man, your statements are really, really great. You're feeling good about yourself. But. Lamar, there's one issue. You guys are under leverage. Are y'all recording this? You guys Andy are under leverage. telling the story better than me. <laughs> I want to make sure we got this so I can get back later. All right, sorry. You, keep going, keep you, going. you guys are under leverage. You're under leverage. Well, well what does that mean? It means that you are, you're using your funds when your company has the ability to be able to leverage other people's money. And we've been so programmed to think that we got to use our money that we don't realize that you can use other people's money as long as you're going to be using it for something that is going to give you a return on your investment. Well, here's what we know. There are going to be people who are sitting in the audience that they're only one decision away from changing their life. Totally. They're one decision away from changing their life and making a decision to join the TSP Mastermind. But we know that for someone in that audience, the thing that's going to be keeping them from making that decision is that they don't have the resources. So they think. 
because they believe that the resources have to come out of their bank account. So when we tell that story, what we're able to do is do a reframe through telling of the story to get that person to understand that there's another option that you aren't even aware of by simply sharing a story that where you learned about the importance of leverage. And what we now do is through the story, we empower that person who thought that it was out of the cards for them to realize that there's another option that you can actually get funding if you need it to be able to go ahead and create a shift and change in your life. And we know that if that person applies themselves in the mastermind, that they're gonna get a return on their investment, okay? So that type of story is a medley of what we call a landing story. It's a story to help a point land better on the audience. One of the things that my mentor used to tell me is never make a point without telling a story, never tell a story without making a point. We tell that story to make a point. What is the point? The point is you can use other people's money, okay? But that story also, for those of you who eventually make offers, as an entrepreneur, you better be making offers, right? That story is also what we refer to as an offer story because an offer story is a story that we use to either get people to see the value, that's not necessarily the purpose of that story, but to overcome objections mm -hmm. before the objections come up. And we know that there's somebody who's one decision away from changing their life who is gonna think, I don't have the resources, but by telling the story, we have given the person a blueprint that you can get the resources. As long as you're committed, you can get the resources because we have a third party funder that if you qualify, will actually help you to secure those funds. You can tell people that, right. or you can take it and you put it inside of a story. There used to be, there are times growing up in a Caribbean household when you don't feel good, my mom would go in the backyard, get this, some kind of plant, and she would boil this nasty tea. <laughs> Lamar, I'm talking about that thing was nasty. <laughs> and they, the way they would do it is they would just force you to drink it. In storytelling, you can give somebody the medicine without it tasting nasty. That's good now. Because what you're doing is you're taking the medicine and you're putting it inside something that tastes good. Now, like if my daughter has a cough, we could give her like cherry flavor, you know, cherry flavor cough medicine. We could give her cherry, you know, all these great flavors. She actually says she wants the medicine more than once because it tastes so good. When you take your content, when you take your products, when you take your services and you put it inside of a story, it starts tasting so good, man. People just want to, they just want more of it. You know what I mean? And that's so true. So, so let me ask you this, because I know people are listening. Yeah. Um, they said, all right, Andy said it's five types of stories. He broke down two examples yeah. from Lamar about two of those five types. Let's break down and let's talk about um, how can they find out the other five types? Because yeah. I'm sure yeah. you have, <laughs> have a way, a process, a formula, a system, an event, some yeah, way they yeah. can find out. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the cool thing. To start with, there are basically five different types of storytellers. And before you learn about the rest of the type of stories, I need you to first know what type of a storyteller you are. Some of you, you're telling stories right now, you're highly factual. You know, you want to give all the details, all the information. We call you the reporter. Some of you, when you're telling stories, you're so heart-centered, you get fired up. You're like what we call the evangelist. Some of you, when you're telling the story, let me tell you something, you like all over the place. We call you the juggler. First, you got to know what type of storyteller you are. And then after you realize what type of storyteller you are, 
I've actually got a really cool free training that you get right after. So first, I want you to find out what type of storyteller you are. So I've got a really quick quiz that you can take. You can head over to storytellerquiz.com, storytellerquiz.com, or if you are tech savvy, here's all you got to do. Pull out your cell phone right now and text the word STORY to 954-278-3701. I'm going to say that again. You're going to text the word STORY to 954-278-3701. You're going to get the link so that you can go ahead and take that storyteller quiz. After you take the storyteller quiz, you're gonna get a custom video from me that tells you what your storytelling style is, and then after you figure out what your storytelling style is, you'll get a button that allows you to go ahead and take advantage of one of my free trainings so that you can learn the rest of the type of stories that we actually need to be able to tell because there's five different types of stories. So far here, I shared two of them with you, one that we refer to as the signature story. Actually, I tapped into about three. We talked about the signature story. We talked about a landing story. We talked about an offer story. But there are two other types of stories that you got to be able to tell if you want to be able to take things to the next level. But start off first by knowing what your storytelling style is. So go to storytellerquiz.com or text the word story to 954-278-3701. I love it. And I want to encourage you guys also, make sure you're following Andy on social. Uh, this brother kills him. I'm like always resharing his <laughs> posts and content. He kills it. And, and this is important. I want to just drive this home again. Because product-based, service-based, no matter what kind of entrepreneur you are, you have to know what the story is. You're going to be able to tell prospects to attract them towards you. Because when you don't attract people towards you, I'm going to tell you straight up, you're working too hard. <laughs> like you literally are working too hard in the process. So I want you to get your story down. This is the man that can help you do it. Hey, again, Andy, I appreciate hey, you, man. I appreciate you, Thank man. you for coming through, spending time with us. Um, and I, I want to, you know, just encourage you, keep making a difference, man, because you are literally Thanks, changing the world. You're empowering people because so many people have these amazing stories inside them and just can't get it out. So I already know that up front. Um, thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, keep changing the world, man. I appreciate it. And by the way, every coach needs a coach. There's my coach. <laughs> Get yourself a coach and make sure you tune in for the next podcast episode. All right, y'all. There we go. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Podcast. Don't forget to download and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com forward slash podcast. On that page, you'll have all the links to follow us on social, me at Lamar Tyler and the at Traffic Sales and Profit brand, in addition to information on our upcoming events, information on how to get a free copy of my paperback book, and more so that you can be the best entrepreneur possible. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode.